Hi. Hi, we have the same clothes on again in this video. It's what crazy. are we doing? It's nuts. <laughs> Welcome to Quitters. Who's our guest today, Chad? Today, our guest is Nolan Gould. Did I say his name right? You said his name perfectly right. Yes. Nolan Gould, my fake Your son. TV son. My yeah. TV son, who is all grown up. God, I love this kid. I'm going to gush. So you know what? He's you should cool say kid. something responsible because I'm going to gush. Here's what I have to say is that as far as white guys go, he is pretty well-involved, thoughtful, self-reflective, self-aware. He seems like somebody that you would want your white daughter to date. I love that. <laughs> and I love Nolan. He's in a place of transition. Stick around. Here's Nolan Gould. It is Nolan Gould meeting yeah. one of my all-time favorite people, new all-time favorite people, Chad Sanders, who is a smart, amazing writer, podcast host, writer on rap shit. Congratulations on the pickup. Gracias. Watch out, Nolan. This dude is smart. Anybody that Julie hypes up, um, I trust her opinion on people. That was an awesome lead-in. Chad, can do you give one for Julie? No, no. Oh God, that I like full body sweat. No, I like that. Nolan's coming in and fucking it up. Yeah, yeah. I, Julie's uh, out on him. I would do a good one for Julie. I would say Julie's so fast. She hikes so fast. That's kind of how I always <laughs> describe. She hikes her. so fast. Strong girl goes fast. This is a weird kind of meeting of the minds, just because we've interviewed Sarah, Ariel, Jesse, Ty, and it's very fun to have you here. Although mm -hmm. you claim you've never quit anything. I'm not a coward. I don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I think that there's lots of stuff in your life that you have definitely quit. I've definitely quit a lot. Some better, some worse. I am constantly, and maybe it's just because I'm so young, really trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. It feels like I constantly quit like one career and lifestyle and personality path once a week. So I'm just constantly going through death and rebirth. How old are you, Nolan? I'm 23. 23, okay. Yeah, about to be 24. So <laughs> I've constantly been quitting school my entire life. Mm, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But you were really smart and didn't have to go to actual school a lot. I was also very good at cheating. <laughs> what? Most, most of my intelligence made it really easy to just take it easy, <laughs> make it through life. I know you're smart. I know you're funny. I've known you since you were 10. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was my baby blocker. Mm -hmm. I was pregnant yeah. and he was exactly the right height to block the babies. I know that you're smart for real smart. Did you really, though, game the system to get by faster? Because who can blame you when you're alone and it doesn't really matter? Who cares? So when I was 13, I graduated. Actually, I didn't graduate high school. I finished high school. And there's an important distinction there. I basically got into 10th grade and then halfway through 10th grade, in California, you can basically take something called a chess B, which is like a GED. And so I guess in a way, like I finished high school by just beating the test. I can probably do anything that would be on the chess B, like the GED, <laughs> but everything else I have no clue how to do. It's like a very steep, narrow cliff and you just drop off on either side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can walk a very thin line. I can write a solid argument essay, but if you ask me to do like geometry, you're on your own. <laughs> And then after that, I did two years of community college, and I got accepted to USC film school. That was one of my first big quits. The show ended up getting picked up for like two more years after that, and then I had the option of going earlier last year, and I decided not to go. Why? It's still something that I grapple with a lot, but I think was ultimately the best choice for me. Art can't really be taught. It can only be something that you can practice and fail at constantly until you get a grasp of it. I decided not to go have someone talk to me about art and then instead just do it on my own and fail upwards, basically, <laughs> until I can make something that I'm happy with. I want to know what Chad thinks of that, that art can't be taught. You mean creative art, like writing? I would also love if the viewers could personally DM me their entire views on what I just said. <laughs> and pictures of your fancy diplomas from art schools. Uh <laughs> I think there's something to it on face value. It resonates with me. I didn't go to any screenwriting classes or anything like that. I think that most of it's trial and error. I also think if you were sitting in Nolan's spot, why do I need to go to USC film school? These people are here to get an in into this industry. And I already 
am in the industry. What's the point here? I don't know how I feel about that. I think the greatest creative moments can come out of moments of inspiration. But at the same time, I think that the discipline of what Nolan is saying, doing and failing and then trying again and doing and failing, trying again, some people aren't going to be able to muster up that kind of structure for themselves unless they're in a school. And that in that trying and failing and doing again, then those great moments will strike and they'll actually be ready for them, possibly, as opposed to out at Joshua Tree tripping balls. Yeah, I think this structure can help some people take their shot. Are you experimenting and failing and doing the thing that you felt like you could do just as effectively or better on your own? Yeah, like most people I do better with some kind of curriculum and somebody like keep me on top of myself. And it's especially been hard when with the show ending and then two being stuck inside my house, losing my brain for two years. There's certainly given me a lot of time to be creative and kind of explore. And I have been very, very slowly failing in the correct direction. I've been working on writing a project with my best friend for five years. And that is actually something that we have quit so many times. And it's one of the few things that I'm glad I haven't quit. It would be the opposite of this podcast. I'm glad I didn't quit this thing. How do you actually get to the point of those mini quits when you're writing with, is it Sean? Yeah. Yeah. My best friend, Sean, I love when I get to sit down and like actually write and be creative, but most of what it is, is typing in Google documents and proposing edits, adding the edits, and then getting rounds of notes and all these things that don't particularly feel creative. As two very like creative, all over the place people, we don't thrive super well in that environment. And you just constantly hit roadblocks and hear no's or change this. But I think one thing that we kind of agreed upon for ourselves is that we're not going to let ourselves quit. I'm somebody who says no to myself a lot in my head as some kind of weird mm. protection mechanism. If I say no, then I can't go and fail at the thing. And then mm -hmm. I don't get that rejection. I think maybe a lot of people can empathize with that. And I just got like sick of it, never going for the things I wanted in life. And so I'm going to keep throwing myself at things until I hear no from other people or from mm. networks or writing partners or whatever it is. What are some things you wanted that you didn't throw yourself at? Uh, I think, uh, <laughs> oh man. What is that smile? Where <laughs> other than girls. He means other than girls. Other than girls. I, mean, well, I didn't mean that actually. But oh, okay. That's a I'm fair sorry. qualifier. Yeah. I, okay. I meant all things included. All things, people, and experiences included. People is an obvious one of connection you wanted to have with somebody or maybe like even connections you did have but weren't willing to go far with because of their own voices in your head i got into Brene brown recently love her oh you know who loves chad <laughs> Brene brown oh really Brene brown i love her back yeah she loves her <laughs> she's on the back of my book yeah is she really yeah yeah she oh is. i i love her she has an hbo show called atlas of the heart and yeah. they used a clip of modern family where luke grows up over the course of like 20 seconds. Was it you? It was when Alex and Haley show Phil, they're <laughs> trying to make him cry. And so they show oh, like yeah. a 30 second video of me growing yeah. up. And I was like, this means the world to me. People try to game the system in my head. I think I've already kind of said that before. This feels like it's heading towards failure. So I'm not even going to bother. Mm. Right. This feels like rejection. This feels like, but like you can't control life like that. You never have any clue. You kind of do though. Because you can quit. I do keep running straight into the same problems in my life. So. I mean, but we all have the ability. No one, at least, that's on this Zoom right now doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. Uber Eats. We're not starving. I'm not saying that if we continue to act like assholes or something, we're not going to be bankrupt. Sure. But if you know that you've got your basic comforts and stuff met, you can afford to take fewer chances and justify it as uh, that's just going to fuck up what I've got. Why have people not like me because I write a script or hear no or put all that time in and then have them say no? What did that get me? I suppose it would depend on what you qualify as the good thing. The good, oh, fuck up the good thing? Okay, that's really interesting. So what is your good thing? Please, yeah. God dang it, guys. We're really just yeah. psychoanalyzing me here, huh? I'm in the hot seat. I mean, I want to get to know you. I feel like Julie already kind of knows you. I'm going to circle back to this. I'm going to put a pin in it. But yeah. my new quit is why I quit doing podcasts with Julie Bowen. <laughs> 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 and that's it, guys. Now okay. the world knows my inner workings. <laughs> no, I think what is the good thing for me? I think living very 
intentionally and truthfully. Basically becoming the person you want to be. Being okay with the idea that like who you wanted to be in the past is no longer you. Who did you want to be? I don't particularly have an answer to that. I've mm. maybe coming out of the show and stuff. I made a very particular lifestyle for myself and it's not a bad one. I'm very lucky to have it, but maybe like I prioritized the wrong things at certain points. By the way, that doesn't mean I'm some crazy like drug person or something like that. It's actually no, like the exact no. opposite. I'm living like a very suburban <laughs> lifestyle and I'm lucky for it, especially in times like these. But as I get older and I got comfortable with the good thing, having a house and it's like, I've got my couch, I've got my TV, I've got my subscriptions to Netflix <laughs> and I can like post up here forever and never leave the house. And I realized what I really enjoy in life is connection with people, like seeing my friends as much as possible, meeting new people, experiencing things, and also creating art. I mean, we've all heard about like, you know, the American dream being dead. If I could live in a little studio apartment with nothing but my laptop so I could just write and like cameras so I could just film stuff and just try to leave something lasting and make a difference. I'm going to listen back to this. I'm like, oh, God, shut up, dude. Nah, you're doing great. And you're, and you're, and you're keeping it real. We really appreciate that. Is it because yeah. the, the constraint of that makes it feel like you would just lean into that? Or are you just saying all you need is a box, a camera, and a computer? You don't need much more than that. I think it, what is it? It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something like that. I guess for me, the pyramid got rearranged. I mm -hmm. have all of the base human needs, and then it goes up. The stuff that's supposed to be very at the top, the things that really make life worth living are falling by the side of the road. But that's exactly why it's the hierarchy of needs. You can't feel the need for those things until you have all the other ones met. The theory is you won't feel the freedom to get rid of your nice suburban house or car or Netflix subscriptions and move into a tiny studio with just your computer unless you had had the experience of all those needs being met yeah, and seen truly. that having those met are only fulfilling to a point, to keeping you alive. But are you connected? Are you fulfilled? No. That's the top of the pyramid. You're not necessarily happy or connected. You live in the suburbs and then you're just like further away from everybody. And the neighborhood mom is running out to tell you about the break-in that happened two streets over. And she's like inviting you to like wine night. What is that this? Anne? Was that Anne? Was that my friend Anne? Is it your friend Anne? No, it wasn't Anne. She might have been gossiping about Anne. Uh, okay. <laughs> he literally lives in adorable suburban tree-lined street with lots of moms and kids and then there's Nolan. That's dreamy, honestly. That's really nice. It's very dreamy, and which is why I'm not trying to act like I'm complaining about it. I kind of want to take some steps back. Mm. I kind of want to live a lesser life because it makes you more hungry for the things that I particularly care about at the moment. Julie and I were texting earlier and I'm like, what are we going to talk about? And for me, the big thing that's in the frame is you both were a part of something that was enormously successful. You're really still a part of it, even though it's not shooting it anymore. It was 11 years of your life for you. It was like half of your life at this point, right? Almost. Yeah, yeah. there was a point where it was exactly half of my life. I mean, you're still really young on to the next phase. You're smart, you're talented, you're creative. It sounds like you have all the pieces on the board to do whatever you want to do. How do you even narrow it down to the things that you want to get done? And within that, being a part of a super successful show, like, is that checked off? Or does that feel like now an open-ended responsibility for the rest of your life? Oh, interesting. Is that for both of us? Julie first, Julie first. She must really love this because she doesn't have to do this because she's already done something great. Okay, do you guys watch the Emmys the other night? I know this is going to air way after it. They attempted to do something really nice. And I mean, zero disrespect to whoever planned this because I know the intention was to honor something. They were like the original cast of The Brady Bunch. And Florence Henderson's gone, and oh, the no. dad is gone. And so there's sort of four of them, and mm. it just feels weird, especially since they're all the kids, and now they're older, and Nolan especially has this burden, which I will never share because he got famous as a child. People's looking at you and wanting you to remain this person that they know in their TV and their screen, it is uncomfortable and weird to see that person change or grow or be something different. 
it feels like if you don't want to stay there and stay relevant and stay public, that there's something wrong with you. And yet at the same time, there's everything wrong with trying to stay relevant and stay public. You can be relevant and important because you work at a food pantry. You can be relevant and important because you do homework with your kids at night. But this idea that that is this pinnacle, which is actually the way you set it up, Chad, like you've done this thing. So is it all just, did we peak and that's it? Who specifically makes you feel that? Is it the presentation of the Emmys and look at this great thing these people all did back then, who cares about them now? It's 100% you, Chad. Yeah. It is me, it's just okay. you. I thought it was. <laughs> Damn I it. feel your eyes gazing upon me <laughs> in every action I do. Is it the person in your life who says shit like what I just said? Wow, you did something so cool. Why would you even want to do something else cool? For me, I think it's all the years of what Nolan, I think you were saying you wanted. All the stuff that you kind of missed as growing up because you grew up, first of all, on a set with a bunch of adults who loved you very much. And we're so excited when you lost your virginity. I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that. In my own mind, there was this goal there were many goals, but to be on a successful television show that ran for a long time, that's big for any actor. So it is definitely a pinnacle that I didn't look behind it to see then what. I didn't look to go, oh, mm -hmm. it's a downslope. Oh. I never looked. Is it a downslope? Perceptually, probably, but I don't really give a shit. Honestly, what do you feel, Julie? Not to me or somebody else. What do you feel? I talked about my relationship with my body and never looking at the scale. Mm -hmm. If I was a really healthy person, I'd look at the scale and go, who gives a shit? A super unhealthy person looks at the scale and freaks out. I'm sort of in the middle, I don't look. And that's the way I've managed also. The other side of coming off of Modern Family or whatever is I didn't invest in the forward-facing public aspect of it. I was never looking through Getty images for pictures of myself, reading trash magazines or whatever. Because I always knew it would end, and I never wanted that to feel like it was my value. So I think I'm handling it the same way, which is not looking. I think the reality is probably if I really looked and invested in it, that might be really painful. And I'm not trying to overly direct traffic here, but because you all have such a history, I'm curious, and Nolan, I want to ask you the same question. Does that answer check out in the way that you see Julie as a person? What you would have expected her to say? You don't really realize and feel that history and goals meeting and like all these things are happening to you in the moment mm. because I don't think actors or creatives really have that forward thinking mentality at 10 years old. I wasn't being like, all right, cool. This is it. This is the pinnacle of my career. I was just happy to be on a set. I think for all of us, if your brain is in the right place, if you're doing this kind of thing, it's the actual enjoyment that you get out of doing it, not the success. The success is a byproduct of it. I think a lot of people view it as that is the end goal. Mm -hmm. For me, I just liked being on set. I didn't want it to stop. And now that it's over, people are like, cool. So now you just get to relax for the rest of your life, right? I'm like, I, I, who the hell wants to do that? Some people do. Some people do. I guess maybe we're very privileged that we get to be doing something that we love and fulfills us. And yeah. it also happens to be a job. What do you do when you meet that goal of, cool, I did this thing that like everybody else would kill for. It doesn't take away the hunger and I still want to be on a set. It's like where you have to starve yourself and train and you just want to win the match. And then you're so glad you don't ever have to go back to training camp. Being on set and doing what we did all the time, it was so fun. And Nolan, I'll tell you, so Chad and I interviewed Jeanette McCurdy, who just wrote that book, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. My Mom Died. I was asking her how she got over her eating disorder and she said that, she had a therapist who gave her, Chad, it was a, a lot of values to go through. In my mind, it was 900. It can't have been that many. Yeah. But she <laughs> had to go through these and cross things out and circle them. So she got down to like five or seven core values. It was like 600. Yeah. Down to five. About yep. what resonated with her truly. What was truly her, uniquely her out of 600 options. Does this decision I'm making to purge, fuck this guy, change houses, buy this car. Does everything I do match up with these five core values that I've decided? And in that also is a way to decide things that make you happy and fulfilled. And she quit acting and is very happy and fulfilled writing. Since we interviewed her, I have been having a real existential crisis because I'm like, I don't know what makes me happy. Going to work made me happy. The process of making something fun and delightful, not of it being on TV, not of going to award shows, just going there every day yeah. and 
being around the smartest, funniest people in the world, it felt like to me, that's fun. And without it, I'm not really sure what the fuck I'm doing. Most <laughs> actors I know <laughs> have a terribly low sense of self-worth. Mm. And I know that seems insane because we hear horror stories of people being divas or like going over the top, having like hugely inflated egos, but in a way that's just protecting their own little fragile. Jesse, just like Jesse, just like Jesse Tyler Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) What a horror to be around. We all have low sense of self-worth. My acting teacher told me that I have a low sense of self-worth. Wow. I'm supposed to approach all situations now like I belong there. I'm good, and I'm good at what I do, and I'm meant to be there. Just the nonstop projection can really get to you. For actors, unless you have a really incredible support system and social life and hobbies and interests and all these things that kind of give you that value outside of acting so that you can be like, these are my things, whether for Julie, it's family. It's nothing. Julie, it's family, raising her kids, producing. And for me, it's refreshing my email until an audition pops up. But that's not altogether (laughs) true because you were doing a shitload of traveling, never bought a first class ticket, always travels coach, puts things in a backpack, has traveled all over the world, wow. all kinds of diving licenses. Are you a rescue diver yet? Uh, yeah, I'm a rescue diver. Holy shit. That's a lot of hours to go through. And you were rock climbing. You have all of these hobbies and interests. Are they not fulfilling? In a lot of ways, what I came to the conclusion recently, like they are scuba diving. That's just for me. Rock climbing, that's a mental and body problem for me to work out. All the traveling and filling your life with things and distractions and, wow, look at this full life that I'm living. I got to see this thing and do these things and these incredible experiences. Again, very lucky to have done them. And now that I'm moving past them, I was like, it was always kind of to make up for the fact that I wasn't on set. And if that's really what I want to do, the more time I spend not doing it and the more neurotic I get and the more I just have dreams about being on the set of Modern Family again. I realize like that is ultimately where I belong and want to be and need to be for like my own human happiness. How do I live like a very intentional life? I'm staying in LA and I'm buckling down and I'm reading a book called How to Tell a Story by like The Moth. And how do I just build my life very intentionally around this thing that I know at its core matters the most to me instead of trying to fill my life with everything else to make up for the fact that I'm not doing it. And I know that it's ultimately what I want to do. I really thought before we talked today that you were going to say, I'm really fulfilled not chasing Hollywood. I had the opportunity to go to USC. I didn't do that. I am writing maybe that you were going in that direction. But to hear that really it makes you happy to Mm -hmm. be on set, Fucking, I'm touched because I was part of that. I don't think every day with me was your finest day. (laughs) (laughs) Julie made me cry on set a lot of times. Oh, Oh, when you were really little. How so? Why? I'm clumsy. Can he really... answer the question? No, I have to defend <laughs> Actually, myself. No, I, I, he, I, I've got my answers. I'd like, to, I'd like to hear her. Go ahead, defend. No, and then go I'll on. I want to hear about it. When he was little, <laughs> he was little. He was a little boy. And he was, you know, with like... <laughs> kick me in the shins or, you know, (laughs) smell this. He was a fucking little kid. And one day I thought I would be playful and there was a bowl on the counter. Yeah, it was a bowl of like pancake batter. I was like, I'm going to (laughs) stick his face in the cake batter. I'm going to be like, smell that cake batter. And then I'm going to stick his face. I didn't get the angle right because I'm a fucking klutz. But from where I was, it looked like he was over the bowl. But he was only halfway over the bowl. So I smacked his sweet little head into the (laughs) side of the bowl. I don't remember if there was blood. Oh, you made him actually cry, pain cry. Like not like an emotional cry. Well, it it started off with pain sobs. But then there was a girl on set that day that I had a crush on at the time. And she just saw me like (laughs) sob. Which then became embarrassment sobs. Which Wait then a minute, it came the to day like, I smashed your head into the bowl, there was a girl there? You were like Yeah, there was, there was a girl there. So Julie yeah. delayed your virginity quit by at least a year, is, is this story. I mean, honestly, having never stepped foot in a school in my life, I'd also like to think Julie helped speed up that process. <laughs> she, <laughs> she gave me... Not I all the advice getting, I got was the best, but... I was so mad at you one day. Like, fun mad. But we were fucking around with each other and you said something and you walked away. I was like, you know what, Nolan? Just for that, I'm not going to tell you about the other kind of orgasm women can have. And you stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see you just standing there like, do I turn around? Is she fucking with me? 
I can look it up on the internet. <laughs> we kept walking. I was like, God <laughs> damn it. That is a comment that would still stop me dead in my tracks to this day. <laughs> you're like, is she lying? If she tells me, is it true? Is this a setup? Like she's playing a long game? That's an Eric Stone. <laughs> she kind of think with like, like six months later, he's trying to fit an ice cube into someone's ear. And he's like, Julie said this always works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm happy I think we got. I think we got off topic there at the it end. Doesn't but <laughs> I just am glad that you want to keep making some kind of creative pursuit because I don't want to call it art because it sounds silly, pretentious. I know I, it does. It does feel silly to call it art. An actor, it makes us feel better if we just belittle it constantly, and I'm making fun of it, refusing to view myself as an artist or somebody making art. The gut reaction to make fun of somebody that's doing slam poetry or you're putting yourself out there to really, I think, do it. You have to take it seriously enough, treat it with the intricacy and intimacy that it deserves or else you're always going to be tongue-in-cheek while you're doing it. I don't want to do that. I'm down to throw myself at this forever. Keep failing beats, doing anything else. I, what am I going to do? I don't have any talents or skills. That's I'm not, not true. Gonna... You're also a writer. Yeah, I, I, I put them in a very same category. One is just telling other people's stories through your own worldview, which is what I think acting is. I think most actors kind of just end up playing themselves. How would you react in this situation unless you're like an incredible actor that just disappears into their character and can be anybody, be anything. I think you kind of just end up being yourself and writing is telling your own stories and your own worldview and then hoping other people can kind of follow through. You do have an agent and you are talking to somebody who's written two books. Oh, I'm to t- uh, Chad right here? To Chad. So one book, one book and one, one being, being written, done. theoretically. And, oh, right, I don't know how you count that. But do you feel the same way about writing when you're alone? Like your acting teacher said, you don't belong here. What did he say? You had, I don't want to misquote you, low self-esteem? Oh, I had a low sense of self-worth. Wow. That was fun. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. you need to act like you belong there. But when you sit down in front of your laptop to write something, which to me is like the hot, fiery keypad from hell. I can't even touch it. I don't belong there. That's for smart, smart people. Not for you, Julie. That's absurd. You think you belong there? And I think you do too. Uh, just talk about you. you no, oh no. Just... Look how nervous she got there. She Very. gets really, really nervous when we talk about writing. She gets sweaty on armpits. I'm pouring sweat right now. I think everybody belongs there. I think everybody can tell stories. I think everybody should tell stories. I mean, we do just to get through our very day. The second you start doubting whether you belong there, other people are going to doubt you too. And especially if you tell yourself so much that you don't even touch the keypad, that's really sad. One of the weirdest things I ever wrote was like a short film about getting abducted by aliens. And then it's like a dark comedy. And then what happens in the aftermath of everyone just thinking you're crazy and like falling apart. It's garbage. But like it made me laugh and it made me feel good. Don't reject yourself in your head, you know? But you do it with acting. You reject yourself. I know, I know. But that's that's the thing. So I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck, dude? Shut the fuck up. I I guess because like I'm new to writing. Acting feels like the thing that since I started at five years old. And it feels like the thing that my whole life has been based around. All of the societal expectations for my family, who's been incredibly supportive. But still, it's a crazy environment to grow up in. My friends and the entire spotlight of the world kind of cast upon you. And that's certainly a lot of pressure to navigate. And so now I'm trying to learn to take the pressure off of it and just be. And just like, eh, who cares if you don't get the part as long as you submitted the tape or the audition that you wanted to do that made you feel good at the end of the day as opposed to what you thought like somebody else wanted. You have so many different creative pursuits. Chad's a musician. In addition, I forgot to add that in the beginning. He's a musician, an actor, not full-time, but, you know, you're an actor. I've seen you. You're saying uh, the things I'm worst at first, but right, I appreciate okay, that. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying the things that people might not know as much. Everybody knows you're a writer, a podcast host, and by the way, all kinds of different writing, nonfiction yeah. and fiction, comedy and drama. What, and I'm going to throw this back at you. This is one of my favorite questions Chad's ever asked. Who gave you, Chad, permission to sit in front of a keyboard and write 
whatever the fuck you wanted in as many ways, in as many styles. I always feel really confident about writing. I have probably felt that way since I was six years I, old. Cool. Po- podcast over. <laughs> yeah, right. But I don't feel I don't feel that Strange way about flex. acting. Even just like shooting a 15 second promo for my other show. Like I feel naked. I feel lost in front of the camera. I need someone to tell me like exactly where to be and what to do and who to be. And is that good? Is that good? Is that good? Maybe that's the acting experience. I don't know. But I'm wondering for myself, is it just the thing that I have been validated the most is the thing that I feel confident doing or are some things actually gifts? Actually, Nolan, when I just watch you and like your mannerisms and stuff, I see some reflection in that I can see that you live in your head a little bit, which I think is a writer way of being. And Mm -hmm. you're both super sharp. So it's not a measure of intelligence. Julie is super duper smart, but I see that Julie lives in her body. It's like the reaction happens in her body immediately when something happens. So I'm wondering for you as an actor, Nolan, how were you able to do the job, which I think happens mostly in the body, the acting job, but also be someone who is so visibly in your head it's something that i'm relearning because we did 11 years of the same thing and our characters became us Mm. and part of our body and persona what i found that's like worked in my own personal acting stuff is that it's about feeling actually Mm. feeling the thing not just looking like you feel sad in a scene and that can live differently for different people i'm not a body feeler I typically don't move very much. If I'm getting broken up, let's say I will be dead still. Wow. Specific (laughs) reference, and I'd like to come back to that. I would not like to come back to that. (laughs) I mean, we can. I'm always, you know, I'm always down to get weird with it. Uh, (laughs) I don't move a lot, and I'm like, you will get nothing. I know that I'm closed off in that way, but all of the same things go on that happens in Julie's body, but inside my brain. And so then you can either decide, okay, that's a problem. Let me undo it for this character. This person's going to really visibly show and feel. And then I try to just let myself really feel pain in my body, Mm. things like that. No, this character is kind of like me in that way in this scene. It's just all going on up here. And I think hopefully that's where the real difference in acting is. Julie, is the fact that you are so in your body... What is the word? You're very sudden. That's probably the best word for you. Like, you're incredibly sudden, I would I say. I think that that's a lot of cover. This weekend, I got to spend 24 hours alone. I have not had that in months. Always either working, I got the ladies here, it's awesome, I got my kids, I'm doing something, and I was so happy. And in those 24 hours, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm listening to music, I'm cleaning the house, I'm doing some bullshit, whatever it is. I'm not sudden. I think it's because I'm uncomfortable. Do you not want to be seen? Is it because if you're too still, someone yeah, can really yeah, yeah, yeah. focus oh, on you? Oh, 100%. The reason why I love acting is because when I was getting broken up with, long and slow and tortured, being gaslit and lied to, and this was with this old boyfriend years and years ago. It, he was breaking up with me long and slow and painfully and lying to me, and we were living together. And I remember going to set one day, and this girl comes up to me. It was not on Modern Family. It was way before. A PA comes up to me or something and goes, um... Uh, listen, you don't know me. I just have to tell you that my roommate is a PA on my boyfriend's some production that he was doing. And she told me that they are completely together. And I just heard you saying that you lived with him. And mm. I feel really weird because I don't know what's happening. And they're like, first team and action. And I just remember in that sort of 10 seconds, it took for my gut to sink into my freaking bowels. My face was red. I was about to scream or cry or something. And they're like, first team. And I was like, oh no, oh no. I don't know what this scene is. I don't know what the words are. I am not here. I need to take five action. And he disappeared. Mm. And I was like, ooh, this is a good drug. This works. Between action and cut, he was dead. I wonder with you with writing too, Julie, and I don't want to build up a huge thing of you're so scared of writing because I don't actually think that's it. Are you scared of what happens when someone else reads it or are you not in love with the feeling of, damn, I have to like face what I think is true right now to get it out here? No, I have no problem facing what's true. It's the judgment of the other side. And it's also, I was a good student. I always got an A and I knew how to get an A. It's really hard to get an A like Nolan originally said. You have to be willing to keep failing in the right direction. And that means... Letting somebody judge you, yeah, <laughs> find you unworthy, and then 
go back again and back again and back again. That is scary to me. You probably always know what you're going to write. Nolan, have you ever sat down and been like, I don't know what I'm writing? Chad's shaking his head. No, I definitely don't. No. I Sometimes don't you're just know. writing and you're not sure what you're going to be writing. I know a couple seconds before it comes out because I try to go for usually the thing that's right at the front. And a lot of times that's not what's on my mind. You're sitting down. You're like, I need to write an op-ed piece. I need to write about. I know the format. Yeah, no doubt. I'm right. writing a screenplay now. I got to write this scene. I know that. Yes. I think that that is where Nolan doesn't like school. I do because I need that structure. You said that you were always congratulated, Chad, on your writing. So you knew you were smart and you could turn a phrase and you could get it on paper. Yeah. To screenwrite, totally different skill set than writing an essay. And I still don't know where I'm at on that, to be honest with you. I know I can do enough to get to the top of this thing. I don't know how I compare to someone who's like a virtuoso screenwriter. Would you quit any of the many disciplines that you're involved in? If somebody said you need to focus. Pick one. Pick one. What is the thing that you would focus on? Man, this is such a crazy thing to feel, but (laughs) screenwriting, (laughs) to be honest. Oh, that's the one you'd leave behind. Interesting. Ooh, that is interesting. If I had to, I mean, I don't have to, but like if I had to, to, the other ones feel more me. They feel more like I get to come through. My point of view gets to come all the way through. And Nolan, what about you? I'd quit writing. And I think it's because acting scares me. And I hate it. And I love it. And it just makes me passionate about it. And typically the things that I fear is sometimes like a really good thing. Running towards fear in my life has always paid out for the better, even if it hurts in its projection. But there's typically growth there. Am I wrong? Am I I way off here? No, I just, I'm so stunned. I could barely hear anything past. I hate it and I love it and I'm afraid of it. Yeah. Acting, the thing that I've seen you do since you were like a wee young thing. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. Why is it so scary? It has that level of importance to my soul. It, it really matters to me in a way that I don't want to always acknowledge. And it would be really easy to be like, ha, that's just acting. I've been doing that since I was young. But because it's so much more important, it just feels like everything. And so is really scary and it's really easy. Like, I'm just gonna be a writer and I respect anybody who does and everyone makes their own choices. But for me, even reading the first line of a script that comes out and I'm like, ah, <laughs> run away, shred it. Because you're scared of having to make yourself vulnerable? Scared of something that's so important to me not panning out. And so instead of running away from it, I have to keep recommitting. Clearly this means something to you. If you don't have some kind of visceral gut reaction, your dopamine gets released and your adrenaline and your fear responses. Yeah. Maybe you're not that passionate about it or maybe it's too easy for you. If love and hate are closer together than love and apathy, working your way down the scale, at least in my mind, it's like love and hate are pretty close together because it's still like a passion about something. Mm -hmm. The fear thing resonates. Sometimes I'm working on stuff that I'm like waking up early in the morning and when people hear this thing I said or when they read that I feel this way, my family's gonna be mad at me for this, white people are gonna be mad at me for this, black people are gonna be mad at me for this. That's the space that I live in right now. It's really stressful. But also a lot of times those projects get made. Like those are the things that signal that something's actually gonna happen here. Julie, I wanna sort of get wisdom from you in this regard. I don't know if that's a sustainable way to live. I don't know if I'm going to want that when I have kids. I don't know if I'm going to want to be like, oh man, I wonder if my neighbor heard that thing I said yesterday, you know? I think that you are doing the exact right thing at the exact right time. Nolan, you probably don't know that Chad is engaged. She's going to get married. They'll probably Congratulations. have kids. But right now, you. you are not. And this is exactly, to me, the time when you take the biggest risks and you plant not your flag at the top of the mountain, but your poles in that mountain of, no, I am something that's going to speak my mind. It changes when you have kids. You can't take the same change. You can, but you have to be aware. There's a trade-off about how do I want this to impact my kids or my livelihood or my income. As far as energy goes, you're talking about putting yourself in a stress position to find that thing I'm not saying you you do it on purpose, but you said that when you find that bubbly tension between are black people going to like it? Is my mom going to hate it? Are white people going to be mad at me? And that that is living at the edge of the knife kind of a feeling. And that's the place where things get exciting and you feel good work comes out of. In my humble opinion, 
it's going to be real hard to share your, <laughs> to have any energy left over for babies. your babies and your family and like when there's no sleep. And that's why yeah. so many couples start fighting when there's babies. Mm. You can't just pop in and take care of the baby and then go back to the white hot edge of the knife and then pop back right. in with the baby <laughs> and then go back in and be like, are white people going to like this? I'm just dealing with the baby. Yeah. That's hard. But I think it's the right thing for you to kind of navigate right now to figure out and by the way, flip side, I could be totally wrong. And it'd be the greatest thing in the world to have a kid because it might sharpen your focus. You could be one of those people who goes, I have 90 minutes. I'm closing the door after burners engage and then leave it behind. Right. Because you're forced to. I don't know. You do know, Julie. You're telling me right now. I don't because my kids now are 13, 13, and 15. It was a big marker to be talking to Nolan today because I don't know. I had time. If they were younger than Nolan, Ariel, and Rico were when they started the show. You guys were all 10 and 11, right? Yeah. So now they're 13, 13, and 15. I'm now where I was with Nolan when he was a kid on the show. And those years went like, you know, you suddenly grew. You're fucking hilarious. You became this young man and you were also somebody that I just wanted to hang out with. All of that was great, but I realized now we're in the fast forward part. I'm just doing cleanup sometimes when they need me, but basically they're going forward and I gave all that time to Modern Family and them and I'm sort of left holding the bag going, what do I like to do? <laughs> who, 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 me? Who, who, who me? me? Yeah, like <laughs> me, uh, me, who? <laughs> what? Hello, Jeanette McCurdy. What are my core values? What do I like to do? Yeah. Well, you like to go running. That is not a. That's, that's a thing a that. That's a. That's a forty minutes of your day. I mean, the thing where you kind of lose yourself and you're so excited when people talk about like Ty Burrell, the greatest. The man has so many interests. He could spend a year micro brewing or fishing. <laughs> You know, yeah. carefully creating, I don't know, something by hand. Those are the things ultimately we're talking about striving and creating, but really the core things you can go back to that kind of recharge your battery. I don't have them. Nolan, actually, I wanted to ask you both this. Literally, it could be tomorrow is the dream role that you want to step into occurs. Yeah. It invites you in. You step right into the outline of it. And that could take you a wash for the next 10 years, right? Knowing what you know from having done 11 years on a very successful show, how would you step into that? How would you get your spirit right to step into that? Who would you be stepping onto set day one? It's tricky to say because you never know if like that project is going to be the project. I mean, I think even on Modern Family, it was kind of like a big old shrug when mm -hmm. we finished the pilot. We're like, yeah, yeah, everyone says it's awesome, but... <laughs> who knows the unknown of that that you all didn't know when you finished the pilot and it became modern family no because you never know yeah I know, never but know. that's just really that's that's yeah. cool for everybody who's writing under a rock right now in that little box apartment you said hoping and praying that anyone likes their thing that's really inspiring you don't know and then it's just modern family like i just yeah. think that's cool so i think it's just trusting that you're at where you're supposed to be, enjoying the crazy, chaotic ride and surrendering yourself. This is either going to tank the career or this is going to be everything. And then even once that 10 years is over, hopefully you're still not done. If this is what you're meant to be doing, if you realize it's not what you're meant to be doing, you quit and you move on. Hopefully next time, if this comes around, this magnum opus that you're talking about here, I'm just ready. Ever since pandemic hit, I've been in like an acting class every week mm. on Zoom, just so that like I can be ready to seize that opportunity and that self-actualization, fulfilling what you're meant to be and not being scared of it and just enjoying it because you get to do the thing that you spend 99.9% .9 of your life and time trying to do. So while you're there, don't fucking be weird about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, enjoy, what enjoy is being it. weird about right. it though? Because Chad, I know you've been on sets and stuff. If you guest star on something, it's weird. You're jumping on a moving train. It's a pilot. You mm -hmm. obviously, you're in on the ground floor. But right. in this process, I assume you're guesting and stuff, Nolan, right now? Yeah. I love it. You're doing the work, but you said show up, do it, and don't be weird about it. You know, in movies, I've never been to jail, guys. And 
in movies in jail, they go up to the biggest guy and shiv him <laughs> or punch him to yeah, show yeah. who you are. Do you have a move for when you're guesting to like make yourself known, but in a good way? 50 bad responses just like instantly went through my head. I was like, yeah, sleep with the producer. Yeah, just instantly <laughs> go in and okay. sleep with the producer. All right. No, it was, it was kind of the opposite. It was like, fuck your ego. Because I did have that. I'm walking on to do a very bit part on the show that's been going for 19 years and everyone knows their thing. And that sometimes I was just referred to like, oh, you're the patient. All right, patient, come lie down. Everyone was very kind. It's a very great set. I get that urge to like set yourself apart and, you know, here's the power move to show I am one of you. What does that fucking prove? You know, that's for me. That's for my own frail ego. If I'm there just to act, it doesn't matter. Maybe, I don't know, maybe drop a camera. <laughs> Maybe I, like, hey, no, can I, I hold like the camera that. and then drop it? <laughs> I like that because our lives are, are weird and funky, and I'm sure you get it too where one minute someone will be like, oh, my God, can I take a picture? Like we were in the CVS in freaking Solvang, and the guy is like, no, can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? Can I get a picture? And then no interest in me or has no idea who I am or whatever else. And then it could be flip-flop the next day or you could be completely anonymous for weeks on end. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're building this and you're building it out of a real love because your ego is out of control. Can we be? I'm kidding. No, he's never had an ego. <laughs> my actor, my, my even... acting coach told me I needed more of an ego. <laughs> I know. Couldn't even pretend. I was like, it was out by of the way, control. I'm gonna listen to this podcast. I'm gonna hate it. I don't know if yes. you guys still do it. I've listened to every single one of these episodes that involves a former castmate of ours because I just love stalking them. I'm kind of obsessed with them. Did anybody say anything interesting? Yeah, please. I could listen to Ty speak for hours. He almost feels like the opposite of me. Like, he's done. He's good. Now, obviously, he'll work, and he likes working, but he's done with Hollywood. I'm very curious to see, like, when I get to be his age if I feel the same. But no, what I was going to say is I'm not looking forward to I don't know if you guys still do it, where Julie and Chad break down what you're about to hear. <laughs> and like Chad basically rates us where <laughs> Julie is like what do you think of them Chad's gonna be like yeah you know I was really surprised uh, thoughtful guy I'm not I looking was surprised. forward to that straight white dude didn't think the there'd be much there straight white dude you didn't think there'd be much there and nothing, guess what there's not uh, he's neurotic he thinks his opinion matters loves the sound of his own voice I am probably a little surprised by how well adjusted you are not <laughs> not only because you're a straight white male, but because like, because <laughs> you grew up on it. TV. Yeah. I, yeah. I was actually going to ask how much Hollywood work aside, like how much Hollywood do you participate? And I don't ask that with any judgment on it. I'd probably participate in a lot of it. I would guess were I in your shoes. Yeah. I think you have to touch some of it to be part of it, but I haven't posted on my social media in like two months. I never went out to parties and clubs. Club. I was invited. <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, much. don't get me wrong. <laughs> he was definitely invited. Don't forget the prime years of modern family, like doors are open anywhere you want. You were between the ages of 11 mm. and maybe 18. Yeah. Yeah, those were the modern the, family like, big years. Oh my God, but, it's but on that, fire. So you, you came into puberty and dating and sex while on Modern Family. And you must have friends who have not had that experience. So like, <laughs> what, how was your experience different from theirs, if you could share? Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. One of Nolan's secret skills is picking the best kind of guides or whatever you need. You attached yourself to Ty in a way that's not gross and glommy and weird or creepy. Leechy, parasitic. No, not at all. He clearly became a really important male figure for you. That was very obvious in like the last three years of Modern Family to me. Very totally. obvious. And because you were drawn to what he has, which is this authenticness, and Chad loved him too. There's something so authentic about him that makes you want to be a better person. And first of all, you valued that. That would have been one of your core values, Jeanette McCurdy. But then you also pursued it. And you allowed him to sort of go, you know what? Give an A or B, I'd do A. He was always going like, the shiny stuff in Hollywood is bullshit. This is where the real shit is. And 
also get outside and hike and bike and climb and ski as much as you can because that'll feed your soul. And watching that process, this does go back to sex. I'm going to get to your penis in a second. Sweet. That's my favorite topic. Hang on. But (laughs) I think that that was sort of more of a becoming a man story that I watched from the outside than the day you finally got laid. Yeah. Is, yeah, is there would, a question that, okay. No, I have this observation <laughs> sure about like you no, and, because you and dating and sex and all that, that was always yeah. this like sidetrack to the main show, which was never on display, but for me watching it, you quietly kind of growing into a more confident person who had these interests and outside of Hollywood and outside of the show. And you were like, Ty, fish? Ty says fish. And then you guys would like wander off and like go fishing or do whatever it is that dudes do silently. Yeah. And I think that that was the real foundational stuff that was made you now, I imagine. A better son, brother, boyfriend, person to date, all those things. To that effect, I've always kind of been looking for like mentors in my life. Always kind of been thinking ahead and how do I be the person I want to be in like two years instead of letting it naturally happen. I think it has a lot to do with not living a normal upbringing and not being in school and figuring shit out. Ty's somebody that I definitely leaned on. He taught me how to shave. He took me skiing for the first time. That's from Modern Family, but it's an image of something that actually happened in our lives. Mm. You've been, you know, a mentor for me in a lot of ways. I don't know why it feels so silly to tell somebody like that to their face, but like it's true. Got the amount of of stuff that I've told you and and dumped on you and asked for your help on. I think I'm always looking for just more of that. And even like listening to like Chad talk, I was just like, oh, cool. I'd like tune in. This guy has something to say. I see value that other people add into your life, things you can learn from them, even if you don't go their routes. Most of my friends, to your effect that you were kind of going on earlier about, a lot of them are that to me. I've got like a lot of older brothers as friends and friends who are just different and that I can learn from. Do people tell you you look like anybody in particular? <sighs> you bastard. Did she push you up to this? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think you look like anybody. I have someone. I'm interested and I'm curious if we're going the same direction. Are you going Shawn Mendes with this? What? No. Thank I'm God. Not. Okay. I guess who are Julie you may have this? been. I no. kind of see James Blake, honestly. James Blake, like the, uh, the, musician. the singer? Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'll take that one. I've basically gone through a phase of every other white dude with curly hair that's Hollywood <laughs> or Hollywood adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> like when I started when I started out, it was like I was everyone thought I was like Frankie Jonas, who is the youngest of the Jonas brothers, the bonus Jonas. And then like slowly over time, I like got up towards like the I, I was like I was uh, Joe for a time, I was Kevin, then I was Nick. I, I think there. Julie's laughing because of my thought pattern that the Jonas brothers are just wiggles for teenage girls. we went to see them at the hollywood bowl and they were just i was like they were all like dressed in a very particular ways and i didn't know the difference i was like oh there's red jonas blue jonas and green jonas uh i don't know which is which i've gotten sean mendez i've gotten um, sean mendez that is very flattering i mean he's handsome but that's not you most of it but james blake okay cool there you go there's a new one i can live i can live with that you guys have rocked my worldview. I have no clue who I am anymore. You're going to find out when you listen. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'll when we edit and... this and do like a deep fake and change everything. And now that we have cool. enough make of your me, voice on. Make me seem smart. You are smart. You are brilliant and you are talented. And mm, I love you very much. Love you, I always Jordan. will. And you are a very important person in my life. And by a weird extension of my kids' lives, because you were my first older son. Mm-hmm. And they have you to thank for a lot because I saw you do some weird shit and then you turned out perfect. (laughs) I really liked this conversation (laughs) about creative endeavors. It took a weird turn, but I'm into it. I think that making space for creative endeavors, especially for me, needs to be a priority because I got too many people and things swirling around. But I love hearing, Nolan, that you came out of COVID and have become mad, smart, and creative and want to... Pursue things with a real passion. I think art's good for the soul. It makes life worth living. So go make it, whether it's for you or if it's for money or whatever. Yeah. And just that's that's a nice little sound bite you can add in there. So <laughs> no, we're taking that out. We, we all we all learned something today. It was it was not too much learning. We're yeah. cutting that out. Make that um, his quote card. Thank you, Nolan. 
Thank really you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. This I can't wait awesome. to talk about you behind your back. Yeah, we're about to do that. <laughs>